we're getting close to being done. With that, we're in chapter 5. And I'm going to talk about, uh, cover some, some verses tonight that are very familiar verses. Um, but I, I believe will be a, a blessing to each one of us tonight. So in James chapter 5, you have your Bibles. Praise God. We're going to be starting with verse number 13. Are you there? James chapter 5 and verse number 13. Excuse me, I'm reading from the New King James. says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We do that around here. We believe in practicing that verse around here. Verse 15 says this, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again. I like that. And he prayed again. We need to pray again a lot of times. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Father, add your blessing tonight to the word. Anoint us to minister your word tonight to your people. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to talk to you about a little bit about how to handle the different seasons of life. How many of y'all know we go through different seasons just like we do, you know, just like we do in the natural. We have the four seasons and sometimes now you can't tell which season's what, you know, and um, uh, they just kind of all just run together. We kind of got to the place now uh, that uh, we have two seasons a year. We have winter and summer, seems like, and that's it, but... Uh, we go through different seasons as, as, as believers, as children of God. And James talks about that here. He deals with that here. You know, last week we dealt with those scriptures um, uh, right above that where James talked about in verse 11 how that we count them blessed to endure. He talked about in verse 10 about the prophets who had spoken in the name of the Lord and how those Old Testament prophets were an example for us of suffering and of patience. And he, talked, he also then gave in verse 11... He gave uh, Job as an example, and we talked about that last week as well. Job is an example of uh, those who endure sufferings and those who endure different various trials in life. And so we know from the Word of God that, there's, there, that, that Christians do face different various seasons in life, and we do experience times of trial, 
that we go through times of problems and, and, you know, I think all of us would agree here tonight that there's nowhere in the Bible that it promises Christians that we will just float through life on flowery beds of ease without ever having a problem. Now, there would be those that would have you to uh, maybe think that, that, if, that, that you can come to a place where there's never a, a, a problem in your life, but I think we know the Bible doesn't teach that. We go through different seasons in life. But the Bible does tell us what to do when we experience those trials and those problems and those troubles in life. It tells us, and James deals with it here, and tells us how to handle those different seasons in life. So in this text that we read to you this evening, James is telling this group of believers that he's writing to that there would be times when they would suffer afflictions. There would be times, if you'll notice there in the text, he says that, uh, is any among you suffering? The King James says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone sick among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church. So James is telling us through the word of God, the Holy Spirit is, that there will be times when we would suffer affliction. There will be times when we will be cheerful, go through seasons of cheerfulness. And there will be times when we'll battle, even battle, sickness and disease in our life. How many is with me tonight? But James gives the instructions here from this passage on dealing with all of these situations in life. And so if you'll notice, and I, I, I just, this just kind of leaps out at us here, that when you read this passage, there's one thing that you can see about, this, um, about the Apostle James, and that is this, that James believed in prayer. He believed in prayer. How many believe in prayer tonight? Amen. You, you're praying people. Amen. We believe in prayer around here. And James believed in prayer. As a matter of fact, um, Bible tradi the tradition says that James spent so much time in prayer that his knees, his actually his knees became hard and became callous and he had the nickname of camel knees because his knees resembled those of a camel from spending so so much time on his knees and in prayer. But in this passage of Scripture, we know James really believes in prayer because in, this, in, these, in these few verses from verse 13 through verse 18, James mentions prayer in that passage seven different times there in that section. And you can go through, if you'll just go through an underline between verse 13 and 18, the times that he mentions prayer, there's seven times in this section of Scripture that he mentions prayer. And I believe that the, that the child of God, the mature believer, the person that, the, the saint of God that is, that is growing in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and matured in the Lord is going to be a person of prayer. They're going to understand, we're going to understand that when we go through those seasons of difficulty in our life, that we know how to take it to the Lord in prayer. Amen? So what we need to know in handling the situations of life is that the Lord is the Lord of all of our seasons. He's there with us in every situation. 
And so he, when we go through times of pressure, anybody in these days we're living in ever feel any pressure, feel like you're under pressure, maybe feel a, a burden, but when we go through those times of pressure, the Lord is there with us. Notice in verse, verse 13 there, he said, is any among you suffering? As I said, the King James says, is any, is any among you afflicted or is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Now that word suffering there, the word afflicted is kakapatheo, uh, and it means to suffer the evil blows and hardships of the outside world. It's a word that talks about, um, you know, the, the evils of this world and how the, the evils of this world and the pressures of this world and the troubles and the hardships of this world will affect the believer. There is suffering that we deal with in this life as children of God. We live, I, don't, I, I think we can all agree on this, we live in a world today that is a fallen world. Uh, the whole world is under the sway of the evil one, um, captivated by the kingdom of darkness. I thank God today for men and women of God, for us as children of God, for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that. God has, has taken us. We're still in the world, but we're not a part of this world anymore. Amen? So we're not a part of that kingdom of darkness, but this whole world today, those who are not born again believers are under the sway of the evil one. They're being affected by and, and directed by and, and, um, and led by and influenced by the powers of darkness. But even though we're not a part of this evil world, we're still here. We're still in this world. And we still deal with problems and troubles and afflictions and, and different hardships that do come our way. None of us are exempt from that. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said that, um, he said, in the world you shall have tribulation. Isn't that what he said? In the world you shall have tribulation. There it is. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Praise God. So we know that we go through hardships. We, we face suffering. We face afflictions. In Psalm 34, 19, and you know I quote this scripture a lot, and uh, you all know it, but it says that many are the afflictions of who? The, the, um, the gambler, <laughs> the sinner, the ungodly, well, the way of the transgressor's heart. The Bible says that. But, but the psalmist here, David says that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But it didn't stop there. It says, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's the good news. Can I get an amen tonight? The Lord delivers him. That, that word deliver in the Hebrew means to snatch or to tear away or to rescue. The Lord in the midst of our suffering and in the midst of our troubles and when we're going through those difficult times, he will rescue us. He will pull us away, snatch us away from that trouble. Glory be to God. It carries the idea, that word does, delivers. It carries the idea of God delivering right at the very last moment and right in the nick of time. And you know what? That's the way God has always done it through the word of 
God. Amen. God, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If you're going through something tonight and it doesn't look like God's moving, I can tell you this one thing tonight. God's never in a hurry, but he's never late. He's always right on time, and you can trust him to show up and snatch you out of the hand of the enemy and deliver you from your afflictions tonight. Come on, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's always done that. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Praise God, amen. I tell you what, there's gonna be some snatching away taking place very soon. Amen. We sang about it tonight. Did you notice those songs? Just every one of them talked about heaven, talked about the coming of the Lord, talked about where we're going to be very soon. And I tell you what, I believe that soon and very soon we are going to see the King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us, you know, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, that when the Lord descends, that we, the dead in Christ, are going to rise. That day's coming. That first resurrection's coming soon. The dead in Christ are gonna rise first. And we which are alive and remain, and I love the word that he uses, shall be caught up, shall be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the, with the Lord. That word caught up carries that, it's the, that, that's the Greek word, Greek word harpazo. And that word in the Latin, it's raptus. And uh, somebody said rapture's not in the Bible. Well, harpazo is, and in the Latin, raptus is, and that's where we get our word rapture. But that word harpazo, that's translated caught up, it literally means to seize and to carry off by force and to snatch out or to snatch away and glory to God ladies and gentlemen I gotta remind you again tonight that just any day now the trump of God is gonna sound just when everything looks like it's as bad as it can get and the Lord's gonna come back and snatch his church out of this world again hallelujah we're going to be with the Lord amen there's gonna be a meeting in the air can I get it Amen. Woo, hallelujah. But there are hardships we deal with. They're gonna be over soon. Paul told Timothy, he said that you are to endure, you must endure hardship or hardness, you know, as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we want it easy. We want the bed of roses, but that's, that's not the life of a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. He told him as well in 2 Timothy 4, he said, be watchful, Timothy, in all things. He said, endure afflictions and do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. So there again, the scripture's talking about enduring hardships, enduring afflictions. And then he told him in 2 Timothy 3, 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. So I'm not trying to be a, a downer tonight. I'm not trying to, to throw cold water on you tonight. I'm just letting you know what James said, that some of, the, some of our seasons in life endure suffering affliction. And so he tells us that, and, and, and Paul reiterates that and confirms that, 
And so Paul is telling Timothy here that, that basically there is special trouble. We all go through different things, but there's special trouble that's associated with living a dedicated Christian life. How many knows that's true? And uh, when you stand up and declare that you're a child of God and you're proclaiming Jesus Christ and you're proclaiming the gospel, you're going to face some opposition to that. There's a devil out here and there's a world out here that's going to oppose that. And so James tells us how to handle that and what to do when we are afflicted and when we're going through that season of suffering in our life. And notice the counsel that he gives there in that 13th verse. Is any among you suffering? What does he say? Let him pray. Let him pray. So when you're having problems, what are you supposed to do? Now, don't wait till you're having problems to pray. Amen. <laughs> pray, every, pray every day. You know, don't be like that, that person that said, oh my, has it come to that? Am I going to have to pray? Has it gotten that bad that I'm going to have to pray? No, pray every day. Seek the Lord every day. Amen. But, but when you're going through problems, listen, don't get angry with God. Don't, don't, don't grumble. Don't complain. Don't get discouraged. Don't get depressed. And that's what James is saying. It's not a time. To, to give up. It's not a time to throw in the towel. It's not a time to quit, but it's a time to pray. James says we're to pray. And the tense of that verb there in that passage actually carries the idea, the thought that we're to pray and to keep on praying and not to give up praying, but to can, continue to pray. Amen. We got to be like that little widow that went to the unjust judge and said, I'm here. I need you to avenge me of my adversary. But when he wouldn't answer her at first she came back again and came back again and came back again praise God and because of her continual coming he finally gave her what she asked for and Jesus said will not God also avenge his own elect that cry to him day and night I'm telling you if you'll keep on and not give up the Lord will come through for you in your situation so pray when you're going through that season in life. Amen? Now he said, let him pray. So here's the thing. If you're going through something, I'll be glad to pray with you. I'll be glad to pray for you. This church will be glad. And our prayer group on Tuesdays and Saturdays, good time to throw in a plug for prayer meetings. Our prayer group on Tuesdays and Saturdays, we'll be glad to pray for you. But here's the thing. James is saying, you got to pray for yourself. Who did he say to pray? He said, the one that's suffering the affliction, the one that's going through the trial, you pray. And, and, and you know, well, you know, that stands to reason. But do you know that there's a lot of people that want somebody else to just do their praying for them so that they don't ever have to pray? But you need to pray for yourself. You can't depend upon somebody else all the time to do your praying for you. Thank God that we, that, that we have someone that we can turn to when we are in 
need and we can call upon the Lord and he will hear and he will answer our prayers. David said this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. So when you're afflicted, when you're in trouble, when you're going through some difficult times and seasons in your life, spend some time with God in prayer and the Lord will see you through and the Lord will work it out. Amen? But notice that not only is he there for us in those times of pressure, but he's also the Lord, our Lord in times of pleasure. You know, we go through the rough times, but thank God for the good times. Notice James says there in the second part of that 13th verse, he said, is anyone cheerful? Is anybody cheerful tonight? We got some cheerful folks here at Abundant Life Family Church. He says, I think the King James says, is anyone merry? Uh, so we can say, is anyone merry or is anyone happy or is anyone cheerful? So when you're having problems, you know, we're, we're to pray. Of course, we're to pray all the time. And we're going to have those hours of suffering and trouble. But James also tells us here that there's going to be days of joy and cheerfulness and happiness in our life. And I believe for the child of God, every day should be a, do- a day of cheerfulness in the Lord. No no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what the enemy has brought against you or the attacks that you're going through, I believe that you could, can be, should be, and God wants you to be cheerful in the time that you're going through that. And so James said, is there any cheerful? If you're cheerful, what did he say to do? Sing. Sing. Sing psalms, sing hymns, sing praises to the Lord. How many singers do we got here tonight? I've told everybody, yeah, Sister Denise is. I've told everybody, you know, I've told you all before, I love to sing, but I don't sound too good doing it. Um, but uh, I, I tell you what, uh, the Bible tells us, you know, to, to, to uh, worship the Lord. In the New Testament, Paul says to worship the Lord with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. Amen. We were just talking to the Derbys tonight before church about singing and how singing ministered to him when he was in a time of affliction and how God brought him through. Amen. Through singing. I, I thought today about how that, uh, you know, how that David would come and, and play on his harp and sing and play anointed music when Saul had an evil spirit that was tormenting him. And when David would play, oh, hallelujah, when David would play that anointed music that that evil spirit would leave Saul. And the Bible said that Saul would be refreshed. Boy, that's the thing I like about coming to the house of God and singing praises to the Lord. Amen. We need to be singing. We need to be cheerful. That, that, that word cheerful means to have a deep sense, a deep inner sense of well-being and joy. And so praise in the midst of our trouble. Amen. Praise is what we need to be doing. We need to sing more and to praise more and to rejoice more. And I think that's a weakness maybe in a lot of Christians' lives today. 
today that there's something lacking in their lives, that there's just not enough singing and not enough praising. And there's a lot of Christians that have hung their harps on the willow and they've sat down and they've stopped singing and stopped rejoicing. And I'm going to tell you what, saints, whenever the enemy can get us to, to stop our praise and to stop our rejoicing, he will steal our joy. And if he's got your joy, he's got you where he wants you because it's still the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Be cheerful. If you're cheerful, sing to the Lord and worship him. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. How many of y'all believe tonight that the Lord is still able to give us songs in the night? Hallelujah. That doesn't just mean when it's dark outside. That means that he can give us a song in our, in our dark experience, in our dark seasons, in our midnight hour. Job said that about God. Job said that, that, that God is the one who does give us songs in the night. He gave Paul and Silas a song in that Philippian jail at midnight, didn't he? They had been arrested and beaten and thrown into jail, fastened up in the stocks. And uh, man, that was a bad season in their life. They were going through, a, a, they were enduring some afflictions. This was a situation where you'd think there's no way we can be cheerful in this situation. But man, right there in the middle of that prison, uh, Paul and Silas, it said at midnight, at midnight, they were praying. I know it was probably midnight on the clock, but I believe spiritually speaking, it was the midnight hour of their life. And they made the decision to pray and sing praises to God. Hallelujah. You know what? The devil couldn't steal their song. He thought he could. He thought he'd stop their ministry there in Philippi. He'd put them in jail. But I'm telling you, here's another one of those situations where many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord snatches them out. The Lord snatches them out just in time. As they were singing praises to the Lord, an earthquake came and rocked that jailhouse, shook the foundation, the, 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 the chains, fell off everybody's arms. They were all set free. And glory be to God, just the thing that the devil thought he was going to do to stop the ministry, it turned out for the glory of God because the jailer got saved and his family got saved. And there's revival broke out right there in the jailhouse. Why? Because here were two men that were cheerful, that were worshiping, that were praising the Lord their God. They prayed and they praised. And we need the same thing tonight. Can I get an amen? That's how we come through those seasons of, of trial. We come through those times of trial. Be cheerful. When you're, when you're suffering, pray. When you're cheerful, sing psalms and sing praise to the Lord. Woo! Back in the, you know, in the Old Testament, um, the phrase is used in the book of Psalms and, and throughout the Old Testament on singing praises. And uh, the Hebrew word that's used there for sing praises actually means to make music. Amen? We're not church Christ, you know. We believe in music. And it, and, and it really means, it means to, 
to make music. And music has always been used to praise the Lord. It was originally intended. You know, uh, Lucifer was from, you know, what we can gather from the Word of God, from Ezekiel and Isaiah, that Lucifer, before his fall, when he was the anointed cherub, um, that he was a worship leader, so to speak, in, in heaven, around the throne of God. Well, when he fell, when he fell, he took that music and corrupted it. So there's corrupt worldly music, but there's still holy, godly, anointed music that worships the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so music is to, to praise God. And that's why in, in church, when you come to the house of God, that music and church services should, should bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we must be selective on what songs we sing and what music we play because it must bring glory to Jesus. Godly music is, is one of the most, if not the highest form of worship and praise to God. And, and, and I could talk about this for all night long of how God responds to the praise and the worship of his people. Amen. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When we come together in all, all seasons of life, when we're suffering, no matter what we're going through when we come to the house of the Lord we come to sing and I'm telling you I don't know about anybody else but tonight just tonight and those songs we did I was lifted up there was something stirred on the inside of me hallelujah let him sing psalms if you're cheerful do some singing to the Lord tonight worship him with song praise God amen C.H. Spurgeon said that praise is the rent which God requires for the use of his mercies. Woo, hallelujah. He's been too good to me for me not to praise him. Amen, I'm running out of time, so I gotta hurry. So when we're suffering, pray. When you're cheerful, sing. But then he says in verse 14, here's another season. Is anyone sick? He asks the question, is, is anyone among you sick? And so James is saying here that it's possible for Christians, for born-again believers to be sick. Are you with me? Is there anybody here tonight that has never been sick? Never been sick? Okay, well, that's wonderful. Praise God. Well, I have been. And uh, most everybody else has too. Amen? And James gives us the, the, uh, the inclination here, and the, um, he implies that even within the church, there will be times when people will be sick. And he asks that question, is there any among you that are sick? But he tells us what to do about it if that's the case. 
Now, how many of y'all believe tonight that God is a healer? Praise God. Amen. I know he is. Amen. I know he is. I've been healed. Amen. Um, uh, Folks here tonight has testified about being healed. Brother Derby's talking to me tonight about how the Lord healed him from a stroke. And and, and God is a healer. And I'm going to tell you what. they've They've come too late to tell me or to convince me that God doesn't heal in this day and hour in which we're living in today. He still heals the sick. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise God. So healing is a complicated issue. The... Well, it is to some people because the complication comes in some people's lives when they say, why doesn't everyone get healed? I wished I had the answer to that. Amen? But there are various reasons, I'm assuming, why. And the Bible tells us a number of things why. We're not going to go into that tonight, why some people receive healing, some people don't receive healing. I do believe this, and I believe you will, uh, will agree, and this will uncomplicate some things, and that is this, if you'll understand that it is the will of God for you to be healed and for you to be well. That is the will of God. There's never, there's, you know, there's, there's, Jesus proved that fact. The Word of God proves that fact. So the reason why some Christians are sick, that question is asked. And as I said, there's various reasons. Some, there's some who just don't know or understand God's provision that's been made for healing through the finished work of Christ. There are those today in churches that are taught that, that healing passed away with the apostles, that miracles, the days of healings and miracles are over, that God doesn't do that anymore, that, uh, you know, when the last apostle died, they were the only ones that could heal. Has anybody ever heard that? They were the only ones that had the gifts of healing and the power to heal and, and when John the last apostle died um, that, that, that that gift was gone that healing passed away they're called cessationists and they don't believe in the healing power of God operating in the church or the gifts of the spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or anything of that nature anymore we are not we are not cessationists here at Abundant Life Family Church we believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that what he did in the Bible, he'll still do for you and I today. He's still God and he's still the healer. Amen? Come on and give him praise. So some people just don't know that, uh, that, the, that, that Jesus has provided in the finished work of Christ for their healing as well as their salvation. So... Um, Anyway, we could go into a lot of things. I'm not going to go into all of that, but there could be and there are a number of reasons that we just don't know the answer to every situation in every person's life, all right? The fact is this, you know, I've heard, you know, some people have said why, uh, ask why they, you know, they had certain diseases and maybe they've been a smoker, maybe they've been a, uh, a heavy drinker. I can tell people this, that if they drink alcohol, 
very much they're going to wind up with liver issues and other physical issues. If they, if they smoke cigarettes, use tobacco, they're going to wind up with physical problems and physical issues. Are, are, you, are you listening to me? And so, so anyway, but God's still the healer. So, so healing is received just like everything else from the Lord. It's received by faith and by grace. Healing's not does not have to be earned from God. Healing was paid for at Calvary uh, when Jesus atoned for sin. Uh, in that atoning work, and we believe that, that in the atoning work of Christ, um, the price was paid for the healing of our body. There's healing in the blood of Jesus. There's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, Isaiah 53, you know, in that great chapter, Isaiah 53, of the, of the, sacrificial, the sacrifice of Christ that Isaiah prophesied about. He talked about how he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And he said, and with his stripes we are healed. Peter quoted that verse in 1 Peter 2.24 and Peter put, it in, uh, Peter put it in the past tense and said with his stripes we were healed. So he was saying the price was paid at the cross. For what, Brother Rick? What kind of healing was he talking about? Some say it was only for spiritual healing, but it was for all healing. It was for spiritual healing. It was for emotional healing. It was for physical healing as well. And the, the word there for healed, by his stripes we are healed in Isaiah 53 and 5 is the same Hebrew word. It's the word Rapha where, where, where God gave his healing covenant to Israel in Exodus 15, 26. And he said, if you'll walk in my ways and keep my commandments, I will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt upon you that I've brought upon them, but I will lay them upon those who hate thee for I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Glory to God. And you know what? Just as Exodus 15 26 was the healing covenant for Israel under the Old Testament, I believe what I've read to you here and what we're going to look at here briefly in James chapter 5 is the healing covenant for the New Testament church as well. We have been promised healing by the Lord. He is our healer today and he tells us what to do when we have a season of sickness in our body. Amen? Sickness is a result of the fall. It's a result of sin. It's a result of Adam's fall that brought sin and sickness into the world. So James said, is anyone among you sick? The word there means to be without strength, to be weak or feeble. And the word here, sick, it denotes someone with a serious physical condition or weakness. It's not talking about somebody that just has an excedrin headache. It's not talking about someone that just has a little heartburn or indigestion or an ingrown toenail. It's talking about someone that is seriously ill, that has a serious physical condition. They're so weak that they, they're probably in bed. They can't get up. So James said, is anyone sick? Is someone 
in that church that needs healing, or you're going through a season of serious illness, what are you supposed to do? And how many of us do this? He said here, verse 14, we all know it. We're Pentecostals, aren't we? We're full gospel people. You've heard this verse all your life, have you not? Let him do what? Let him, if you're sick, let him or her call the elders of the church and let them, the elders, the elders being the the pastors, the leaders of the church, amen. That word elder, bishop, presbyter, that word is presbyteros, uh, which uh, is translated presbyter, elder, bishop, pastor, shepherd, it all, they all uh, uh, coincide. They all mean the same thing, all right? And so call for that leadership of the church and let them, who? The elder, the leader, the pastors, let them pray over them, uh, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen what he said. He didn't mince words here. He said, and the prayer, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Hallelujah. And the Lord shall raise him up. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout amen today. Woo. Do we believe these verses today, church? Are they true or or were they just for that first century church and not for us today? I I got to believe the whole Bible. I can't start ripping pages out and saying this was for them and this is for, I believe the New Testament for you. We're a New Testament church. We believe New Testament doctrine. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Well, glory, I'm about to shout. I'm glad you can't tell. Call for the elders. Let them pray over them, anointing them with oil. It just doesn't have to be a pastor in this situation. He's saying the pastor, but call for the pastor. But how many of you all know that Jesus said in Mark 16 that believers, you don't have to be a preacher, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be an apostle, but he said these signs shall follow them who what? Who believe in my name. They'll cast out devils, they'll speak with new tongues. And then he went on to say, and they shall, who believers that believe in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Praise God, hard to, hard to lay hands on the sick if you're practicing social distancing. It's just another ploy of the devil to get us not to pray for people. I believe that laying on it, do you know laying on of hands is a biblical doctrine? If it, Hebrews chapter six tells us that. He said, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. Speaking of olive oil, to anoint means to rub, to smear. Amen? We don't anoint like they did in Bible days. They'd take that horn of oil and they'd just turn it upside down. They'd run down their head. Uh, That was how they anointed in Bible days. But there was something significant about that anointing with oil. I read one commentary today. I I just laughed out loud. This preacher said, 
That anointing with oil was used to give them a massage. <laughs> to to kind of ease their pain that they were having. I thought, give me a break. I didn't have to think very long to know he was a cessationist and didn't believe in divine healing. Glory to God. But the oil that James is talking about had nothing to do with medicinal purposes. It wasn't used medically, and we're not against medicine, and we're not against doctors, and we're not against... Can I, do y'all believe I said we're not, we're not against doctors, we just don't know which ones to believe anymore. <laughs> they tell us so too many different things. But we're not against medicine. I believe that God has blessed us with, and these men and women that are in health care, uh, he's blessed them with wisdom and knowledge and, and to know how to treat certain diseases and sicknesses, things like that. And I thank God for that, for what they can do. But this oil has nothing to do with medicine. It's not, it's not used medicinally at all. But the oil, the anointing with oil in the name of the Lord, um, the, the anointing, that oil in the Bible, and I'm, 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 I'm closing, the oil was used as for two different things. Number one, the oil was a symbol of the work of the Holy Spirit. Oil in the Bible is a symbol. This pure olive oil is a symbol of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Oil was also used in the Bible in the Old Testament for a consecration. When someone was anointed, God was setting them apart and, and consecrating and setting them apart for His use. Amen? And so it's not any healing power in the oil, but what the oil is for, when you come up for prayer and you say, Pastor Rick, I'm sick, or you call and I come to your house or whatever, and I take that oil and we put that oil on you, it's not just some kind of ceremony. It's not some kind of magical talisman thing that we do. It's not some kind of hocus pocus. This oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And it does represent the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. And there's no healing power in this oil, but there is healing power in what this oil represents, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power and he went about doing good and healing and healing and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Can somebody say amen tonight? Woo! When you come to the Lord for healing and, 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 and we anoint you with oil it's, it's, it's not faith in that oil, but it's faith in the anointing that brings that healing. Amen. 
dependence upon the anointed one. It's saying that this is a child of God. We're anointing them. They're set apart to you. They're consecrated to you. And we're believing you, Lord, for your healing. And he said, and then the prayer of faith. Pray over them in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. And if he's committed sins, they will be forgiven. See, this is the belief that God hears prayer and answers prayer. This is the belief that we have that the Lord does heal in answer to believing prayer. Amen? He will save the sick. He will give physical restoration. This is the promise of God, and this is what God is expecting us as believers to act upon and to believe. And it said this. See, if the healing was in the oil, it would say that the oil would heal him, but it didn't say that. It said the prayer of faith will save the sick, and not the oil, not the preacher, not the pastor, not the altar worker, but the Lord, but the Lord, but the Lord shall raise him up. Hallelujah! I still believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ today. Do you believe it? Let's stand. Let's stand. Worship the Lord tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Oh,